true? What if I told you that all those terms, all those concepts are about as fluid as water? This anthology series contains stories that flow between them like a wandering river, between the mind, the body, and the soul, boldly influenced by the powers that were, the powers that are, and the powers that will be. This is Dark Charm Presents. In celebration of a gate beyond coming to Dark Charm Media, this is a tribute to my friend, the gatekeeper, Dan Mac McCloskey. This is the Black Dahlia Tribute. The Riddle of the Black Dahlia. The mystery surrounding the unsolved murder of Elizabeth Short, nicknamed the Black Dahlia, has been the subject of dozens of books, magazine articles, films, and television documentaries. The ill-fated 22-year-old's naked and mutilated corpse was found dumped in a vacant lot in Los Angeles, but her ghost walks the halls of the luxurious Biltmore Hotel where she was last seen alive. It was good to get back to the hotel. It had been a grueling day on the floor. Ryan hated attending trade shows, and he was ready to collapse. As the head of his sales force at the LA Convention Center, not only been the public face of his company, Gladhander, but he was also the final arbiter of any deals that might be closed that week. And if that weren't stressful enough, it was the first sales meeting for most of his team, and they had to be trained on the spot. The Biltmore was Ryan's oasis. Built in 1923 by John McKenty Bowman. The Millennium Biltmore Hotel, as it's now known, takes up the better part of a city block in the downtown Los Angeles district. At the time of its construction, the Residential Palace was the largest hotel west of Chicago. Even today, it has 683 guest rooms, including 76 suites. The renowned architectural firm of Schultz and Weaver they had previously designed the Breakers Hotel in Palm Beach, as well as the Waldorf Astoria in New York City. Used Italian-Spanish Renaissance and Beau Arts influences to create their West Coast masterpiece. Its three-story Renaissance court off the Pershing Square entrance, where the lobby originally stood, was modeled after the court of Queen Isabella of Spain, and it boasted marble floors and replica of the elaborate Escalera Dorado, or Golden Staircase, in Spain's Burgos Cathedral. Italian artist Giovanni Smeraldi 
whose work also appeared in the White House, the old Grand Central Station, and the Vatican, painted the fresco ceilings throughout the lobby. Perhaps the hotel's pièce de résistance, for what it became justly famous for, is its 30-foot-high, 11,500-square-foot crystal ballroom on the Galleria level. Gold leaf and giant backlight panes of stained glass adorn the ceiling, accented by enormous Austrian crystal chandeliers. Ryan was first drawn to the Biltmore by its beauty and its lavish accommodations. What always brought him back was the palpable sense of history that pervaded the premises. Film buffs recognized parts of the hotel from scenes in A Star is Born, Chinatown, The Fabulous Baker Boys, Vertigo, Ghostbusters, and The Sting, among many other movies that were shot there. They all knew that eight Academy Awards ceremonies were held there in the 1930s and 40s. JFK made the Biltmore his L.A. headquarters during his 1960 presidential campaign. When the Beatles stayed there in 1964, the streets around the hotel became so crowded that the band had to arrive by rooftop helicopter. And in 1984, the International Olympic Committee worked out of the Biltmore when the games were in town. But, unknown to Ryan, as he crossed the lobby that fateful night, there was a sinister footnote in the hotel's legendary past. Back in 1947, it was the last place anyone remembered seeing Elizabeth Short before she died. The notorious tale of the young lady known as the Black Dahlia is heartbreaking. The gruesome manner of her death, luridly described in detail by the Los Angeles Examiner and other newspapers, as well as the inability of police to solve the crime, made the case a national sensation. Elizabeth Short was born in the Hyde Park section of Boston in 1924 and was raised near Medford, one of five daughters. When she was six years old, her father, Cleo, who had been wiped out in the stock market crash, deserted the family. Her mother, Phoebe, managed to keep the family together by working a variety of odd jobs. As Elizabeth was prone to asthma and bronchitis, so starting when the girl was 16, her mother began to send her to Florida to, in the winter to stay with family and friends. About that time, Cleo surfaced in Vallejo, California, and wrote his wife, asking to be allowed to return. She refused, but when Elizabeth was 19, the young woman traveled alone by train to stay with her father, long before they moved to Los Angeles. Elizabeth's relationship with her father was tumultuous from the start. He expected her to play the docile, obedient daughter, but she was having none of that. She got a job at Camp Cook, which is today's Vandenberg Air Force Base. And, surrounded by soldiers, the attractive teenager blossomed. She was flirtatious and soon spent evenings out in the town. That came to a stop in 1943 when Elizabeth was arrested underage drinking in Santa Barbara, and police sent her back to Medford. From there, she moved to Florida, where she met an airman, Major Matthew Michael Gordon Jr. He was deployed to Southeast Asia, but they remained in touch, and he proposed marriage by letter from a hospital bed in India. 
Elizabeth accepted, but before she could get back to the States, Gordon died in an airplane crash. In 1946, Elizabeth returned to Los Angeles to visit an ex-boyfriend, Lieutenant Gordon Fickling, who was stationed in Long Beach. Her attempt to get back together with him didn't work out, but he decided to remain in Southern California anyway. According to most sources, it was during this period that friends nicknamed her the Black Dolly. A play on the title of the current movie, The Blue Dolly, because of Elizabeth's penchant for dressing in all black. Other reports say instead of unknown newspaper man covering her murder, created the silver cat. Elizabeth never seemed to have a job or a permanent residence. With little money, she was forced to move from one fleabag hotel or boarding house to another, basically surviving on the goodwill of others. Her longest period in one place in 1946 seems to have been one month, from mid-November to mid-December, when she stayed in a two-room apartment with eight other young women. Even a dollar a day for her share of the room, she found it too expensive. Despite reports of the contrary, Elizabeth never resorted to prostitution, nor did it appear from later investigation that she was particularly sexually active. But she was quite aware of her physical allure, and she knew that by frequenting bars and clubs she could meet people, men, who would provide her with a meal or two and perhaps a night's lodging in return for a few hours of friendly, though usually platonic, uh, companionship. Sometime in late December 1946, Elizabeth began living with a family in San Diego. A concessions girl at a 24-hour movie arcade found her sleeping in the theater, took pity on her, and invited Elizabeth to stay with her at her mother's house. Elizabeth accepted, but she was far from an ideal guest, but was supposed to be a brief stay stretched into weeks. She didn't find work, laid about the house all day, and stayed out all night long. Whether Elizabeth left on her own, or was eventually asked to leave, is unclear. She had been seeing a 25-year-old married salesman by the name of Robert Red Manley. Whenever he was in town for business, she begged him to take her back to Los Angeles, where he also lived. On January 8, 1947, he picked her up around noon, but rather than head north immediately, he rented a local hotel room for the night. Although, according to his later testimony, they slept separately. They set out for Los Angeles the next morning. They stopped at the downtown Los Angeles bus station so Elizabeth could check her luggage, then continued to the Biltmore Hotel. Elizabeth claimed she was going to meet her sister, who would be taking her to live with her in Berkeley. Manley walked Elizabeth to the hotel through the Olive Street entrance. The two said goodbye and parted company around 6.30 p.m. Hotel staff later reported seeing Elizabeth in the lobby for a time, but for all intents and purposes, that was the last time that anyone ever remembered seeing the Black Dahlia alive. That was more than 50 years ago. Ryan stepped into the elevator and pressed the button for his floor and breathed a sigh of relief as the doors closed in front of him. In less than five minutes, he would be back in his own room with his shoes and tie off and a drink from the minibar in hand. What did he want to do tonight? He should spend an hour at the gym and he could check to see if there was anything going on at the Staples Center just a few blocks down the road. But he was so exhausted he would just probably call 
room service crash. The elevator was passing by the second floor when Ryan realized that the button to another floor was also glowing on the panel. He hadn't noticed that before. He looked quizzically over his shoulder and there, standing silently in the corner, staring straight ahead, was a woman. A stunning woman in her early twenties, dressed head to toe in black, piercing blue eyes, and dark wavy hair swept back high over her head. She's beautiful enough to be a movie star, Ryan thought. He wondered if a motion picture was being shot in the hotel because Stranger's hairstyle and wardrobe made her look like a femme fatale straight out of the 1940s film noir. The elevator slowed to a stop, and the doors quietly opened. Ryan instinctively stepped on one side and let the woman by, and as she passed, he was enveloped by a sudden chill. The woman had gotten no more than a few steps out of the landing when she turned and stared straight at Ryan. Was he seeing in her eyes panic? An unspoken cry for help? Was she in some sort of trouble? But before either could say a word, the door slid shut. Ryan frantically punched the open door button. It seemed like it took an eternity, but after just a slight hesitation, the elevator reacted, and the door slowly began to slide apart. The girl was gone. Ryan rushed out of the lift and peered down the long hallway in both directions. The corridor was empty. There was no way that anyone could have gotten in a room at that amount of time. The woman had been out of sight for mere seconds. It was as if she had just evaporated. Ryan stood there, hoping she would show herself anything to prove that he hadn't been hallucinating. But when no one turned up in the hall after ten minutes, Ryan resigned himself to the fact that the woman's identity and how she disappeared so quickly would just remain a mystery. And it was so for several days. While nosing in a bookstore on his last night in town, however, Ryan ambled into a section for works about Los Angeles and the Southland. As his eyes scanned the titles, he was suddenly riveted in place. There, staring at him from the cover of one of the books, was the smiling face of the bewitching siren he had seen in the elevator. It was the Black Dahlia. What little Ryan recalled of the murder flooded back to his mind, and the book which he hurriedly bought, told him the rest. Elizabeth's body was discovered in a scruffy lot in Limert Park in the Crenshaw District of Los Angeles on January 15, 1947. The corpse was so pale that at first the woman who found it thought that she was looking at a discarded department store mannequin. The victim's torso was naked and had been sliced cleanly in half at the waist. The lower part of the cadaver lay with legs spread wide. The upper half was posed in with the arms, and most of her fingertips had been sliced clear off. Partial prints positively identified her as Elizabeth Short. Despite the macabre way in which she was disfigured, she had died from internal bleeding caused by repeated blows to the head. It was also not a sex crime. There was no evidence that she had been violated, nor were there any other bodily fluids from the killer found. A couple of days after Elizabeth's body was discovered, a note arrived at the examiner offices, its message written in letters that had been cut and pasted together. Enclosed with the letter were Elizabeth's social security card and birth certificate, various photographs, and the 
clean check for her baggage and her address book with a page torn out. Over the days, weeks, and months that followed, the police interviewed thousands of people. There were about two dozen serious suspects, but after a thorough investigation, they were all eliminated. Manley, initially the prime suspect, passed repeated interrogations and two lie detector tests. Incredibly, almost 60 people, men and women, confessed to committing the crime, but all the leads eventually led to a dead end. Elizabeth Short, the infamous Black Dahlia. To this day, the murder remains unsolved. She's buried in a Mountain View cemetery in Oakland, California, but her spirit obviously prefers the Biltmore Hotel. Over the years, her ghost had been spotted in the main lobby, the hotel's ground floor, public areas, elevators, and some of even the residential hallways. As is the case with so many ghost legends, there is no definitive proof of any of the sightings. In many versions of the Black Dahlia haunting, including the one popularized by Troy Taylor, author of Beyond the Grave and Field Guide to Haunted Graveyards, Elizabeth Short's apparition leaves the elevator on the sixth floor. The man who reported seeing the spirit and later recognized it from a photograph in a book was named James Moore. There are so many reasons the ghosts of murder victims are said to return from the other side. Some may not be aware that they're dead. Others are trapped in the venue where they met their violent end. It's thought that some specters come back to search for their killers. But Elizabeth Short left the hotel alive. There was no sign of struggle or blood from her vicious vivisection found in any of the rooms. So why has the Black Dahlia reappeared in the elevators or in the building when she was last seen? Why? If the legend suggests, her ghost gets off the lift at a particular floor. Is it because that where she met her killer? More than half a century after Elizabeth Short's death, the murder may have to be solved before any questions surrounding her haunting can be answered. In the meantime, look around you the next time you visit or stay at the historic Biltmore Hotel. A silent stranger dressed in all black, standing next to you in the lobby, just may be the Black Dahlia herself. This excerpt has been taken from the book Haunted Hotels, retold by Tom Hunt in the chapter of The Riddle of the Black Dog. And welcome, the gate beyond, to the Dark Charm Media family. Until then, good night. Copyright Dark Charm Media, 2022, all rights reserved. Effects by Zapsplat.com, 2022-2023.